0: The reading reading is taken from Matthew's Gospel, chapter 18, and starting at verse 21. And that's on page 985 of the Church Bibles. Matthew 18, 21 and up to 35. Then Peter came to Jesus and asked, Lord, how many times shall I forgive my brother or sister who sins against me? Up to seven times... Jesus answered, I tell you, not seven times, but 77 times. Therefore, the kingdom of heaven is like a king who wanted to settle accounts with his servants. As he began the settlement, a man who owed him 10,000 bags of gold was brought to him. Since he was not able to pay, the master ordered that he and his wife and his children and all that he had be sold to repay the debt." At this, the servant fell on his knees before him, who owed him a hundred silver coins. He grabbed him and began to choke him. ''Pay back what you owe me,'' he demanded. His fellow servant fell to his knees and begged him, ''Be patient with me, and I will pay it back.'' But he refused. Instead, he went off and had the man thrown into prison until he could pay the debt. When the other servants saw what had happened, They were outraged and went and told their master everything that had happened. Then the master called the servant in. You wicked servant, he said. I cancelled all that debt of yours because you begged me to. Shouldn't you have had mercy on your fellow servant just as I had on you? In anger, his master handed him over to the jailers to be tortured until he should pay back all he owed. This is how my heavenly father will treat each of you unless you forgive your brother or sister from your heart.
1: Um, We're in the middle of a little series of five on counter-cultural church. Um, And um, uh, here's my opening question for you. How do you walk into church um, Sunday by Sunday? Um, By which I mean not not sort of, you know, what what particular... um, style of walking do you, do you use, um, you would imagine, but what attitude? So, as you sort of arrive at church, is, is there a sort of, is there a tensing of the shoulders and a kind of, a, an internal sense of, right, raise your game, smile on, um, uh, bear up, um, ready to be cheerful, uh, best Christian face, um, is it that sort of a sense of sort of trying to sort of gee yourself up for the experience? Um, Or is there a sense as you you walk into church of of kind of shoulders, as it were, relaxing? Uh, Of a sense of delight that I can now be in the community of my brothers and sisters who love me, uh, who are gentle with me, uh, who are full of grace And what a great place to be. Uh, How lovely uh, that I can be in church again uh, and know the love and the care and the compassion uh, of this community. I wonder which it is, if you're honest with yourself, and if I am. See, um, in a sense, this series is about two disconnects. Um, a good disconnect and a bad disconnect, if I can put it like that. The, the good disconnect um, is the way that the, the, the community of the church that God creates ought to be different to the culture that we find around us, that there should be a disconnect. You know, God calls us to be holy, to be distinct, to be different. He imagines that his people will stand out like a city on a hill um, with, a, with a distinctive light holy as he is holy, different as he is different. Um, So the way that we do things here uh, isn't the same as the world around us. There is a a good disconnect. And on the issue of forgiveness, which is our topic for today, goodness me, uh, how we need some difference. Um, Because our culture's voice on this theme seems increasingly clear, doesn't it? Um, One clumsy tweet One foolishly written blog post, even if it was decades ago, and you are cancelled. You're gone. You're history. There's no way back. There's no forgiveness for those errors from the past. That's it. You're done. That increasingly is the tone of our culture uh, today. Now, now of course, a commitment to forgiveness doesn't mean a reluctance to confront people when they do something wrong, or indeed being indifference to justice, Um, and Jesus teaches about both of those things um, in this very chapter. But when it comes to grace and forgiveness, the church of Jesus Christ should be utterly distinct very disconnected from the way that the world uh, does these things. But as well as that good disconnect, I want to suggest to you that that, um, we might also be aware of a bad disconnect, Um, which, if I can put it like this, is a a disconnect between the things that we say and the things that we do, between between what we, we say we believe and the way we actually behave in practice as a church. Because it would be a tragedy, wouldn't it, to be, to be part of a church that's got a, a brilliantly sound, strong, doctrinally correct gospel message. But actually, in the way that they exist together, the culture of the church is ugly and harsh and unkind that would be a terrible disconnect, wouldn't it? Do you sense here is, a, here is a message all about a God who is gracious and forgiving and loving, and here is a church that is anything but? It's really important, isn't it, that um, that the way that we speak about God and the gospel that we declare uh, is reflected in the way that we live the way that we are as a community together. Which brings me back to my point about how do you walk into church? You see, if our experience of church is that it's a, it's a, it's a pretty unforgiving place, um, a pretty unreceptive place, a pretty judgmental place, then that would mean that you arrive thinking, oh, i better better sharpen up. But if our experience is that, is that church is just full of lovely acceptance, of gracious welcome, uh, of people who are kind uh, and gentle. The, 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 this community is the most honest I know. The most accepting I know. The, the, the most humble, I know. The most generous. Oh, well, then you'd, you'd walk into church slightly differently, wouldn't you? You think, great to be here. Lovely to be back amongst this community which has these characteristics. What a great place to be Sunday by Sunday. What a great place to be in my midweek small group. I love it, uh, the way that it is like that. What I'm, what I'm saying is that beautiful, loving, grace-filled relationships within the church isn't, isn't some kind of a footnote, some sort of optional add-on you know, the important thing is that, is that we get our doctrine right. The important thing is that we, that we say and believe the truths about Jesus. It would be nice if, you know, we were a friendly bunch, but, you know, that's kind of, that's by the by, really. The important thing is you got the truth right. It's not, that's not the way it is, is it? Jesus came to create a church that would be the body of Christ on earth. He came to create communities that would reflect him. Uh, that's what he came to do. So becoming that kind of a church isn't, isn't an optional extra for us. Uh, it's uh, the very thing uh, that Jesus came for. So how are we doing? Are we as committed to creating a gospel-shaped culture uh, in our church family as we are to being correct and proper uh, about a gospel message. Well, <coughs> that's what our whole series is about. Uh, this particular central talk, and it's central in, in more ways than one, um, is the issue of Christ, people and forgiveness. Which, of course, is a huge topic. As, as I've been thinking about this, um, I found myself thinking, Do you know, I really quite fancy a, a whole series um, Of talks just on the issue of forgiveness, because there are so many elements to it, aren't there? When you you begin to tease it out, you you think about the way that um, repentance needs to be a part of the forgiving process, Um, and and what reconciliation looks like uh, as forgiveness is worked out in a restored relationship, and then how forgiveness sits side by side with, with justice. Um, There's so much to to, to be seen uh, in here, and and we haven't got time for all of that. And and I suppose I'm I'm sort of fearful that I could end up making uh, the business of forgiving somebody seem really simple and straightforward. Um, And it's not that. Um, And and I think I'd I'd hate it if um, someone uh, was here who had been on the receiving end Uh, of some particularly um, awful mistreatment. And they ended up hearing me say that that it's a kind of simple thing, Um, and a straightforward thing just to get on and forgive, and and get past that and move on. I know that's not true. Uh, And I don't want you to hear me say that. But I I do want all of us to see that um, this attitude uh, of acceptance and forgiveness... Uh, should characterise uh, the people of God. Well, that was a long introduction, wasn't it? You've probably given up and <coughs> closed Matthew 18 already. Uh, do do I open it up again? Um, uh, it's page 985. Um, and we're going to look at this parable that Jesus teaches uh, under uh, two headings. Uh, one perfectly reasonable question and one profoundly unsettling answer. So first... The perfectly reasonable question, uh, which is the one that Peter poses. I was going to start one of those funny things. Peter poses, people, uh, anyway. Peter poses the question um, in verse twenty-one. Uh, Lord, how many times shall I forgive my brother or sister, who sins against me? Up to seven times. In other words, what's the limit, Jesus? Because clearly you can't go on forgiving forever. I mean, there's, there's got to be a point, has not there? When um, enough is enough, and the hammer falls. You know, you've had your chances, and you know now you're going to get it. So when is that, Jesus? Is that is that seven times? Peter probably thought he was he was being um, quite generous um, in this. There's a uh, there's a suggestion that in Jewish culture. Um, it may well have been that you were expected to forgive once, to forgive a second time, to forgive a third time, but then number four, that was it. Um, Then a person had had it. So for Peter to say, I'm going to go to seven, I'm pretty impressive. Not just three, seven, I'm going. Um, But look at Jesus' reply. I tell you not seven times, but seventy-seven times. And I don't think Jesus here means, you know, um, so when you get to number 78, you know, I mean, let him have it both barrels. I, I don't think that's what Jesus means. I, I think Jesus means, look, just, you just have to keep doing it. That, that there's no end to the forgiveness that you need to be willing to offer. And to help Peter understand that, Jesus tells a story. Uh, And it is, I want to suggest to you, a profoundly unsettling story about a king who's settling up his accounts with his servants uh, and a man arrives who owes him 10,000 bags of gold. Uh, The the original is actually 10,000 talents. Um, And you see in the footnote, if you're a footnote reader, that uh, a talent was worth about 20 years of a labourer's wages. And the mathematically sharp amongst you are already um, doing your calculations in your head um, and adding it all up together, and you're ending up with a lot of zeros. And rightly so. You know, take these figures and convert them into modern currency, and we are talking of a debt of millions, possibly even a billion pounds. It's huge, it's astronomical. And so, of course, verse 25, this servant is not able to pay. And in keeping with the culture of the day, the king orders that um, this man and his wife and his children should all be sold. So at least he gets a little bit of money back. I mean, nothing, nowhere near uh, the millions of pounds uh, that this debt constitutes, but, but just a little bit of a fraction by selling them. But as the king issues this command, the man falls to his knees, begs for mercy, be patient with me, and I will pay back everything. Which of course isn't true. He's never going to pay back millions. can't be done. And the king knows that. But just the same, we're told that the king does take pity on him and cancels the entire debt and lets him go. It's amazing. It's miraculous. It's glorious. The servant must have been on cloud nine to be let off a debt of of, of millions of pounds, just like that. And yet, verse 28, no sooner has the servant exited the royal palace than he bumps into a mate of his who lent him a couple of bob in the pub the other week. Well, actually, it's a little bit more than a couple of bob. Um, it probably translates this amount to a few thousand pounds, you know, enough to buy a second-hand car. So it's not insignificant, but it is nothing compared to the millions that he's just been let off. But apparently, whatever joy de vivre exists in this man as a result of the, the removal of this astronomical debt has vanished pretty quickly as he grabs his mate by the throat. Demanding, pay back what you owe me. Well, the half-choked man falls to his knees and begs, be patient with me, and I'll pay it back. Familiar words? They're the self-same words that he has just spoken to the king. But, but this man seems deaf to the Similarity. There's no deja vu in his response because, verse 30, the servant refuses and has the man thrown into prison until he can pay back the debt. Which, when you think about it, is a tricky thing, isn't it? I mean, there aren't many ways in prison to earn a few thousand pounds, as far as I know. So, you know, this is it. Now, the story doesn't end there because some other servants have been watching what's going on and they don't much like it and they decide to go and tell the king and the king doesn't much like it either so he summons the servant back and says you wicked servant I cancelled all that debt because you begged me should you not have had mercy on your fellow servant just as I had on you And then we're told that in anger, the master hands him over to the jailers to be tortured until he should pay back all he owed. Which, given the astronomical size of the debt, isn't going to be any time soon. And then, and here is the really profoundly unsettling bit, then see how Jesus concludes his story. This, he says, is how my heavenly Father will treat each of you unless you forgive your brother or sister from your heart. Do you hear that? You and me will get this treatment from God in heaven on the day of judgment, unless we forgive our brother or sister from the heart. We'd be ready, wouldn't we, at the end of this parable, for Jesus to say something like, look, so, having heard my parable, just try a bit harder to be a little bit more forgiving. Oh yeah, okay Jesus, I'll do that. We'd be ready for that, not for this. So this is how my Heavenly Father will treat each of you unless you forgive your brother or sister from the heart. That is what gentle Jesus, meek and mild, has to say to each one of us from his parable this morning. Ouch. Three, three observations uh, about this forgiveness Uh, as we close. First of all, uh, I want you to notice that this isn't so much a requirement to to be performed in advance of getting forgiveness as an expectation uh, of what will emerge in response, almost as evidence of the forgiveness that you have Received. See, see, don't misread the parable. We we don't earn forgiveness. The Bible makes that abundantly clear, doesn't it? the, the gift of salvation, the gift of forgiveness, the, the, the gift of a of a right standing with God, it, it just comes from God of grace, not in response to any merit of ours. It comes just as the king gives it. The servant asks, and it's given. So, you, you don't need to be a forgiving person in order to qualify uh, for the grace of God. But do you also see that, it, that it's a, a non-negotiable response? Uh, I, I was trying to, trying to work out how to, uh, how to kind of make this point, and I, I, I don't know if these, um, these next illustrations will, will help you, uh, and I'm not sure... Well, anyway, I'll... <laughs> They're written down, so I'm going to do them now. Um, suppose, suppose you were a member of an environmental lobby group—I don't know Greenpeace or something like that. You know, you, so you're a member of Greenpeace, um, and suppose it emerged that you were you were drowning baby seals in crude oil, um, you know, on the weekend. I, don't, I mean, what a twisted mind I've got! I mean, where did that idea come from? But anyway, you, you, you know, you—I mean, they would rescind your membership, right? You wouldn't you wouldn't be long in, in the Greenpeace organisation if that was discovered about you. Um, or or suppose you know suppose you're you're a paid up member of the Pigeon Fanciers Club and it turns out that, you know, on a Sunday lunchtime, pigeon pie is your favourite. You know, again, I mean, you know, the pigeon fanciers. They're, they're, you know, they're not keen on you at that point. I mean, it just, it just doesn't go together. I mean, there are some things that just don't fit, like being, you know, being in the Ramblers Association but never walking. You know, it just it doesn't work. Um, being in the wine tasting club but actually being teetotaler. Being a cricketer and not being able to bat. Okay, okay, no, let's 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 move past that one. Um, Uh, That doesn't that doesn't quite fit, but you you get the idea that you know there are some things which which are just so kind of contrary to the identification that you are claiming that that it cannot be. It does not make sense to claim to be a Christian and not forgive. It's that central. It's that essential. It's that fundamental to to a Christian person's identity that they profoundly understand the depth of the forgiveness that they have received, that it draws from them a willingness, an eagerness to forgive others as well. If it's not there, then it raises questions about whether this astronomical paying off of our debt with God has really ever been understood in the first place. So first, not an requirement, but an expectation of our response, almost an evidence uh, of what we have what has been done for us and then secondly uh, notice that this is deeply beautiful but deceptively hard um, again rewind um, how do you walk into church um, and, and ask yourself you, you ever had a conversation that goes something like this um, and you say to somebody oh hi um, you, you've been away and haven't seen you for a few weeks um, and they say to you, uh, "No, I've um, I've been a bit below par, um, not not quite myself. Um, just haven't been feeling good. Um, couldn't couldn't really face church. Um, but things picking up. Um, I, you know, I'm feeling feeling much brighter now. So it's good to be back. Ah, good, good. Glad things picking up. Good to have you back. Been in a conversation like that? Guess so." It's not actually a good conversation, is it? When you stop and think about it. As we begin to think what we're saying church ought to be. See, a much better conversation would be something like this um, Hi, good to see you. Uh, yeah, um, it's good to see you too, but um, how are you? Uh, a bit low, actually. Haven't been myself for weeks. Just flat done some silly things, feeling a bit ashamed of myself. So glad to be in church this morning, desperate to get here, really wanted to be back, a place where I feel safe, a place where people love me. After the week I've had, oh, it's felt like it's a long time waiting for Sunday so I could come and be reminded the God who loves me, brothers and sisters who love me. Such a good place to be, church. You have many conversations like that? I wonder which of those two is more common. If we were the deeply beautiful community reflecting the grace of the gospel of Jesus Christ as fully and richly as we should, then that second conversation ought to be a little bit more common, wouldn't it? Deeply beautiful, but it's exceptionally hard. Don't underestimate how hard forgiveness is and how easy holding to grudges is. Um, I, um, I'm full of sort of slightly obscure um, ways of trying to illustrate things this morning, so forgive me. Um, I, I found myself reflecting on how common the, 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 the revenge movie genre is. Have you notice that? Um, our filmmakers love to make um, revenge movies, um, usually fairly unpleasant ones. So you, I, you've probably never seen any of these. Um, and. You probably wouldn't want to, because they're mostly ultraviolet. I mean, The Equalizer, um, Kill Bill, Payback, Revenge. Uh, they're all really pretty unpleasant films with pretty unpleasant violence in them. But they sell. Why? Well, because in the words of one film critic, they play to our righteous delight in seeing people get their come-up. Do we get that? Do we like that? You know, we like the sense of moral superiority it brings, doesn't it? When we identify somebody who we think has done something wrong and we enjoy them seeing getting in in the neck. There is something about holding somebody accountable for something they've done wrong that we really rather like. I've heard it likened to a boiled sweet. You know, sort of you know, holding a grudge. We suck on it. We just we sort of keep it there, rolling it around in our mouth, tasting it. You know, the sort of the lovely taste of putting people in their place. Because it puffs us up, up, puts them down. But it's very, very ugly. Uh, I don't think a, a parallel sort of, you know, film genre... Uh, of of the, the sort of the grace and forgiveness film genre um, is going to fly. Um, the Forgiver, the No Paybacker, the Overlooker. Um, I, 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 I mean, I know there are some films that include grace and forgiveness in them. I, I realize that. But, uh, but I think the idea of having a genre um, like that to, to sort of parallel the revenge movie genre, yeah, it just doesn't seem likely to have happened anytime soon. That there is something about payback and revenge and holding grudges and clinging on to our bitterness that sadly uh, we are rather attracted by. So deeply beautiful it may be, but don't underestimate how deceptively hard it can be to become this kind of community, to become this kind of people. So, so let me suggest, uh, finally... That we start small, uh, we start now, and we start with Jesus. Uh, h- how do we let go of that desire for revenge, uh, of making people pay for their mistakes? Uh, how do we, how do we become grace-filled, eager to forgive? What well, well, will we do it by? by remembering the scale of the forgiveness that we've received. We, we do it by getting back to Jesus, remembering not only what he's given us, but also the cost that he paid to make it happen. And, and as we meditate on that, as we reflect on that, as we, as we consider the extraordinary grace that has been poured out to us, it, it, it pulls grace out of us in response. And, and, and I think a Gracefield community isn't generally built on a kind of series of Everest-sized reconciliations of of some terrible, terrible things that need to be um, um, forgiven and and reconciled. I I think it's built, actually, on a whole series of little ordinary, everyday uh, kind of grace-filled moments. You know, when you overlook a clumsy remark, and you don't let it interfere with the quality of your relationship with somebody. Or when you let go of some... Historical slight that you've been kind of had in your head for years about something that somebody did do or didn't do, Uh, and like that boiled sweet, you've just sort of kept it there. Um, But you start small, Uh, but you start now, and you think, I'm gonna let it go, I'm gonna stop treating that person with that memory. Uh, of that incident from the past, just gone, letting it go. Uh, and I begin to care for them, be interested in them, make time for them, be friendly toward them. I think it begins in, 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 a, in a thousand of those little ways amongst us. Uh, but it certainly starts uh, with Jesus. We are the servant released from the debt of 10,000 bags of gold. That is what he has done for you, if you're a Christian believer. It is an astronomical debt. We have snubbed the God who created us. We have elevated ourselves and told him that we know better than him the scale of our offence before him is incalculable. If you you don't get that, if that feels strange to you, then then do come to these three hope-explored evenings that are starting soon. Ask those kind of questions. Puzzle that through. Because it's so central uh, to getting hold of this gospel message. And when we do get it, really get it, then we can, will, by God's grace, become part of this kind of gospel community uh, that is utterly wonderful to be a part of. And Sunday by Sunday, we'll come through those doors thinking, great, so good to be here. So good to be amongst brothers and sisters who love me like this. Let me pray for us. Now, Father God, we confess that we are not what we should be. Uh, by your grace, we're, we're not what we were. Um, we, we do delight uh, in seeing uh, the evidence of your grace at work um, in one another. Uh, thank you for the way that that encourages. But we long for more. Uh, so please, uh, take us again to the cross. Uh, take us again to the scale, uh, this astronomical scale. Uh, of the grace that you have poured out to us, that there would be more grace in our hearts, more grace in our relationships, more grace in our community. Uh, Lord God, you you can do this uh, by your spirit. Uh, And we pray that you would uh, for your own greater glory. Amen.